Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I've got a very interesting guest for you today. So when I started this podcast, I promised that along with all things writing, we were also going to talk about all things woo, which I love. So you'll have to bear with me, but I'm assuming that if you're here, you love that too. So today's guest is a ghost helper. Which, when I first heard that, I was like, huh, what does that mean? I haven't heard of that. I've heard of ghost hunters, obviously. I've actually interviewed ghost hunters. I've written about ghosts in some of my books. Um, so one of my Positively Organic Mysteries has ghosts in it. And I did speak with some ghost hunters to get some intel on how all of that works for that book. The book uh, that's coming out this summer, My Cat Cafe Number seven, um, nine lights and alibis. There's ghosts in that book. So I am kind of fascinated with ghosts, but also, um, I am equally as fascinated with people that we love, animals that we love, beings that we love that have crossed over and whether or not we can still have a relationship with them. So I've read a lot about this. I've read books by mediums. I've worked with a medium, especially after I lost my dog Shaggy back in 2018, like I really wanted to feel like I was getting signs from her and that she was still around. And, you know, at the time I didn't know a lot about how all of that worked. I've since done a lot of reading on it. I've learned a lot more. And what I do know is that Shaggy does send me signs, but I also have someone from my past life who I was very close to back when I was a teenager who passed away not, you know, not long after that, I was in my twenties. And this person I believe has been around ever since, not in a 
scary way, not in an overbearing way, but just not, and not all the time, but just in a way that lets me know that they're still in somewhere in my orbit. And I, I never really understood what, what that meant. I just knew that I felt this person's presence. I would get songs from, from this person that, you know, either meant something to them or that had, had meant something to the two of us in some way. I get feelings, I get dreams, like I get all kinds of these signs that, that just tell me that there is still a presence. And so I always wanted to know more about this. So when my guest today, her name is Tina Irwin, reached out about being on the podcast. She's also a writer. She writes about ghosts, but she is knowledgeable about how to work with ghosts and, you know, just from a different perspective than many of us are used to hearing. I really wanted to have her on. So we talk a lot about what ghosts are, you know, what's the difference between like a ghost and maybe a spirit that I was just describing, um, spirit of a loved one that might be still visiting. We talk about the difference between what Tina does as a ghost helper and what ghost hunters do. Um, It's really a fascinating conversation. And, you know, from a writing perspective, if you're interested in the topic of ghosts, if it's something that you want to weave into your books, it's, I'm I'm positive it's going to give you some great ideas and inspiration. If you're just interested in ghosts, it's also going to give you a lot of knowledge. So um, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I thought it was super interesting. It's definitely like nothing I've ever had before in the podcast. So I hope you really like it. Um, and we're going to just go right into it. This is Tina Irwin. Hey, Tina, welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. Hi, Rose. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is going to be fun because I love ghosts and I've written about them. I actually just finished a book that has ghosts in it. So this is going to be fun. (laughs) So let's just start with the obvious question. So your title is Ghost Helper. So what does that mean? Tell us about what you do. A ghost helper is a person who doesn't hunt ghosts, doesn't try to get rid of them. A ghost helper is an individual who kind of goes to the next level and realizes that you have a soul that doesn't understand what to do because death has come. Some people don't know they've died. They're just completely clueless. They think that everything is still as it was, not unlike the movie The Sixth Sense. Some people know they've died, but they're so guilty because they were born in sin and died in sin and God couldn't love them that they don't cross over. Some people are so dark and negative that all they see is darkness, even though when the light comes, they they really can't see it. And children are always confused. Babies have no idea what to do. They're always looking for someone to tell them. Religions don't tell people what's going to happen when they die or when they leave their body. So you have this huge gulf of lack of knowledge that is, to me, pretty significant. So a ghost helper is a person who uses something called the crossing over prayer, which I wrote in 2012. For It's a very interesting story why I wrote that prayer, but I, I realized that I can't be the only one that knows how to cross over ghosts. And you shouldn't have to pay a medium to remove a ghost from a location. And if you use this prayer, 
it has some very specific key elements that enable you, anybody, to cross over a ghost. You shouldn't have to pay a medium to cross over your loved one. And most mediums have no idea how to help the dead. So that's what a ghost helper is. And I'm beginning to get feedback from people who've been using the prayer for a while, and it's, it completely changes their feelings of compassion for the dead, especially if you're crossing over children who don't understand what to do. And once you get to that place, you have a more dynamic connection, basically, with the higher realms, with God. That's a very long explanation, but that's what helping a ghost is, because ultimately it's the compassion you will want for yourself. Hmm. All right, so I have a lot of questions based on that. So my first one is, how do you come by this knowledge? Like, is this something you were born with? Like, how did you know when, like, how did you realize that you knew how to do this? I have a PhD from the School of Hard Knocks. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I mean, we're all psychic. I happen to be just a little more psychic than most people. And as time went on, I felt like I was, it was a ghost superhighway in my house. And I, you know, it's like, what am I doing? They're all coming. And I've had situations where they look at me and say, you're supposed to know how to help us. It's your job. Help us, help us. And, it, and I didn't know what to do. And I had a series of events happen. And there was a very, very bad individual uh, who was practicing some very dark magic. And he died. And for some reason, he came to me. And I... I knew how bad he was, but I crossed him over. My brother helped me, and it was the very first time I'd done that. And when I saw the light come for him, because I am a remote viewer, so I could see into the ether and see his that he died and that he needed help because all these dark things were coming at him. And the best explanation for your listeners and the viewing audience has to do with the movie Ghost. It's the most accurate portrayal. When Patrick Swayze left his body at death, he saw this beautiful light come for him. All he had to do was walk into the light. But he was still consumed with being human and and thinking he was mortal. When the bad guys died, these little dark beings with the red beady eyes came for them. Those beings are called lower realm intelligences. They are real. They exist. And when someone has led a life of evil or hatred, uh, that's what greets them. Well, that's what greeted this really bad man, and I could see them. So I crossed him over. And the, the question might be, why would you cross over someone who's super dark? Because when a person is this dark, pieces of their soul have been so removed, shaved off over time, they don't have a conscience. Sociopaths don't come from the heaven world. Psychotic murderers, mass murderers, come from what's called the lower astral. I'm getting into some heavy-duty details here, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. So when those individuals die, they go back to where they came from, and then when they reincarnate again, they're, they're even darker, they're even more evil. So how do you break the cycle? You cross over all of the dead, murderers, thieves, mass murderers on a global scale that do things. 
And when you do that, if you go back to the 23rd Psalm, Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why would you fear evil? Because there's so much darkness in the fourth dimension or that which is the valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear evil before thou art with me. Well, if you don't have God with you, you're going to feel really not in a good place. So to that element, to that degree, I crossed him over because it also says in the 23rd Psalm, he restoreth my soul. If you have a person whose soul is so fractured and splintered that there's no humanity left in them, the only way that that soul is restored is crossing them into the heaven world or the fifth dimension. And any mortal person can do that. You don't have to be exalted. You don't need holy water. You need a generous heart. And, And there's nothing to be afraid of. You're saying this prayer, which is in the Crossing Over Prayer Book, which is on Amazon. It's even in audio. If you don't even want to say the prayer, you can just punch the button and and you'll hear me say it for you. And once that person's crossed over, they don't haunt the living. They don't haunt the dead. Because a murderer will haunt the people he's murdered, murdered, I can't talk, even in death. There's many, many, I could, I did a podcast one time, just all the, the 10 or 12 different kinds of hauntings that, there, that exist. Because there's so many that people experience. So people think ghosts have unfinished business, but it isn't so much that their business is unfinished, it's that they have not a clue what to do because they died. And they need someone to help them, whether you're good, bad, or whatever. So that's, so through a series of events, I, I realized I had to do something that gave everyone the power to do this. And that's how this came about. Hmm. Okay. Then my other question definitely goes into, um, so I, I don't identify with any religion today. I was raised Catholic, right? So I heard a lot of that rhetoric growing up about heaven and hell and, and all of that. So is what you do, does it have anything to do with religion? I know you have mentioned God, but I know people have many beliefs about, you know, who goes to heaven, who does not. Like, how does that all reconcile in a way that's somewhat agnostic, if that makes sense? I have a little girl in the Catholic Church. I'm eight years old. I'm the oldest of four children, and the priest wants me to confess my sins. All I do is change diapers and watch little kids. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't have anything to confess. And so he made me feel guilty. And then he told me my parents were living in sin because they practiced birth control. That is spiritual abuse, and it's the beginning. Uh, Once I told my parents, we left the Catholic Church, and we never joined another church. I have a hard time in churches. So I completely identify and understand, and identify with and understand this feeling. And I see this, it's prevalent in the New Age community. It's prevalent in a, with people who don't have a community. Organized religion has dogmatic doctrine that for a person who is thinking through realities, feels disconnected from the divine instead of connected to the divine. And one of my favorite individuals from history is Martin Luther, who, who defied the Catholic Church. I can't even imagine the courage that took. 
and discuss the priesthood of all believers. You don't need a building of wood and stone. You don't need expensive artwork inside a building to make you feel small and guilty. You don't need Christ endlessly tortured on a cross to make you feel guilty because he died for sins you hadn't committed yet, which is ridiculous. And what's happened is they've separated over time people from God. And people believe in God, and you know they do because they love bees. They love flowers. They love nature. All of these are creations. When you ask them, they love creation. They love being creative. Those are the spark of God in each person. When we reconnect to the divine, when we reconnect and use angels to be of service to others, there's a part of us that becomes elevated. And you don't have to sit in an uncomfortable pew and stand up and sit down 52 times to be a good person. You just don't. You're a good person when you do your best every single day. And when you die, <clears throat> newsflash, there is no religion in the afterlife. There's no religion in the heaven world. doesn't exist. There is just God. There are great spiritual beings who can meet you, whether it's Christ or Buddha or any of the other, there's so many, any, many great beings but at the end of the day, this beautiful light, having watched people who have suffered and suffered in agony, when the light embraces them, all the pain goes away. When they cross over someone who killed themselves, they're in perpetual darkness. It didn't get better when they died. When you open up this door for them through your compassionate heart, in the privacy of a forest or your bedroom, doesn't matter where it is, in one kind act, you have alleviated years, decades, lifetimes of suffering for someone. I had a client in, in North Dakota whose 17-year-old son took his own life. And she used, I, I have, in this Crossing Over Prayer book, there are 88 prayers that help the living and the dead. And one of them is the compassion prayer for suicide. The crossing over prayer works, but the compassion prayer for suicide is slightly more specific. And she asked me if I'd cross her son over, and I said, no, I want you to do this as the last act of his parent. At last act as his parent, because you love him and you can do this. And she said, and I said, and if you really can't, then call me back. But it's to empower individuals. If I just keep doing it, what is the point? So she calls me back and she said, I, I am in awe. I felt the light. I felt his relief. Because with a suicide, you don't know if it's your grief or his grief. Because the grief of the dead can overpower the living. That's why some grief is almost impossible to get over. Because you can't separate what's yours and what's theirs. When they're crossed over, now you're alone with your own grief, which is hard enough. And she, she said she couldn't believe how much better she felt because she knows where he is, and she had a hand in that. Mm. And then she requested, she asked me to write a prayer for after. And I said, tell me what you mean. She said, you know, I, 
I love my son so much. I didn't understand the darkness that overcame him. And I want you to write a prayer that I can say every night so he will feel my love forever. And so I wrote that prayer. And it's a prayer for anyone to say after a loved one has taken their lives. There's also a prayer if your neighbor's husband takes his life. And people say, oh, I'll pray for you. What are they saying? What is this prayer they're using? So I wrote a prayer for that. If someone has taken their life, this is the prayer you can say for them. To be of service to others. And the majority of the people on the planet in every country on the world, and I'm into like 27 countries, we're all the same. We want to love, we want to be loved, we want to feel safe, and we want comfort, whether we're living or we're dead. And I, I'm be honest, I'm not sure I remember what the question is, I'm slightly off track, but when an individual does this, there's no religion involved. There's only the love and the opening of a doorway to healing and hope. There are counselors of divine wisdom that sit down with the soul just newly crossed over. Some of them are so badly hurt because of trauma, head trauma, or PTSD, or horrible cancers, or all the horrific illnesses happening to people right now. They go to uh, a place in the heaven world for massive healing because the soul suffers with physical pain. So you want to give that soul so much healing, and that's what they get when they cross over. And as they recover, they are given access to counselors of divine wisdom will sit down and help them to understand the life they just lived without judgment, without prejudice. So that, that's, a, that's an understanding that there's no religion involved here. There's just love. Gotcha. All right. So then when you say that people with, you know, murderers or people like that die and the, the lower energies come to get them, you're saying that if somebody helps them, they can avoid the lower energies and go to the light. But what happens if the lower energies get them? They just keep reckon, uh, reincarnating as bad people or help yes. me understand that. That's exactly what happens. I mean, <clears throat> there are children as young as four years old who are terrifying to their parents. <clears throat> Some of these serial killers so terrified their parents and there are no services for parents of a child who is psychotically ill and comes in and, and starts murdering animals. Are you going to, there's no institutions for a four-year-old that will murder you on sight. There are some parents that have to lock their doors because they're terrified of their kids or they push their, their siblings down a, a flight of stairs. I mean, I've had, I've had two clients <coughs> Uh, who were teenagers who had murderous ideation. And there were some things we were able to do chemically to help them because they were missing certain minerals in the body. There's a, a syndrome called pyroluria, P-Y-R-O-L-U-R-I-A, which means you're basically missing pyroxidine in the body, which is vitamin B6. But there are other minerals, and I encourage anyone who is someone with PTSD or someone who feels really violent you can get a hair test and see if you're deficient in certain minerals, which will directly affect behavior. But if you come in without those, what is that saying? Chemically, all the chemicals have to match up. 
for someone to be this evil. These people have no conscience with what they do. We're seeing an awful lot of that right now. So if they end up back in that, you know, bad, uh, low, low energy, lower astral, does it have to be somebody helping them in order for that cycle to be broken? Yes. To be blunt, that's exactly what has to happen. Someone has to break the cycle. And, and we know this is true because we see patterns of abuse in families. I mean, I've spent years, I spent 20 years in the Navy, uh, retired as a commander, and the Navy's only about people and their personal problems. I had a sailor who beat his wife, and it's the Navy, so we sent him to anger management. We sent him to see the psychiatrist. Nothing works. Still beats his wife. So one day... He comes in to see me, and he says, Commander, what's the big deal? So I beat my wife. Nobody's perfect. I had a partner that was so incredulous that I wanted to just leap over my giant desk and strangle him. But I got a grip, and I, I looked at this man who was a sailor of the quarter. He was, a, he was a really competent sailor. He was a good guy at work, but he was a monster at home. I said, did your daddy beat you? And he said, yes, ma'am. My daddy beat me every day. I said, did your grandfather beat your father? And he said, yeah. My grandfather beat my daddy. Oh, my daddy, he's talking about bad. He got beaten. And then there was this quiet in the, in, in the room, and he said, doesn't everybody get beaten when they grow up? And I said, no, it's called assault. If somebody did that to your wife on the street, you would call a police officer to have them arrested for assault. But you can do it, and you have no conscience about it. He says, but that's what everybody does. And I said, no, that's your family history. And for the next 1,000 years, people will beat each other unless you change the pattern now. And, and in all the therapy, in all the anger management classes, no one had ever explained that to him. And this look of astonishment crossed his face. I said, do you want your adorable little girl to grow up and look for men who beat her? Is that going to be okay with you? Well, no. And I said, but you're setting her up for that. He couldn't, he couldn't see it initially, but as I began to paint this very different picture of the family history, he began to understand what was happening within his family constellation, some psychiatrists call it, or family dynamic. Uh, some people call it epigenetics. It's what happens. I see everybody in the family will have gallbladder surgery. What's galling all those people? Cancer, you know, you'll see all these people. Suicide, you'll see all these people. Somebody has to break these cycles. And when you're studying metaphysics, I don't just study the dead or helped ghosts. I study the entire human condition to understand all that I possibly can about what makes us mortal, what makes us human, what makes us loving, and what makes us monsters. Wow, that's intense. Okay, so... When I think of ghosts, and I, you know, I'm no expert, <laughs> I've done a little research, but that's it, you know, for my books. Um, but I kind of think of them in two camps, right? So one camp has to do with like the stories that you hear about, you know, people staying in a haunted inn and meeting the, the ghost, right, that lives there or going out ghost hunting. And then the other camp I kind of think of is the, um, you know, the spirits, the people that you know who've passed on and who might still be around you. And I don't really think of that as like hauntings, right? So I'm probably thinking about it wrong. But so can you talk about the differences there? And or is there a difference? Um, and how do you think about those things? I think that's a really good question, because there are as many kinds of ghosts as there are personalities. 
But one of the things that you touched on, which is important to understand, is when you look at the strata of a rock, you see all these different layers, right? So basically, you're looking at layers and stacks of time, correct? Mm-hmm. When you're at a location and you have predecessor energy, you are, especially on the East Coast, you don't see that quite as much on the West Coast because, you know, there's no war spot here. Mm-hmm. But I um, <clears throat> spent a lot of time in Virginia, and everything in Virginia, when I lived in South Carolina, everything in South Carolina is haunted, good God. Between the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and the War of 1812 and blah, 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 blah. So much haunting. So much predecessor energy. So that the people who died in the 1600s are still there. I was visiting um, various uh, plantations. This is some plantations in Charleston, a whole bunch of them in Virginia. Virginia grew a lot of tobacco and cotton instead of North Carolina. And what you see are stacks of time, and the people who died in those stacks of time are still there. So you can have people, if all time exists at the same time, you can have people in all these stacks of time who are existing and impacting the living in the current time, but don't understand that they're doing that. And I, I, have, I have three ghost books out myself, ghost stories from the ghost point of view. And I've been to all these different places, whether it's an apartment in downtown Los Angeles, which has had a jillion you know, apartment buildings there, jillions of people live there, to Civil War dead, to slave dead, slaves who died horrific deaths, are still in that stack of time, bewildered and tortured. And so if I go to a location, um, someone says, oh, yeah, we have this we have this brand new house in North Carolina. This is a very strange one, but this brand new house in North Carolina and nothing works. Oh my god, everything is just horrible on this property. The trees are dying and nothing we plant lives and we're fighting all the time and we can't sleep at night and I feel this presence and I don't understand what's happening. And I want to start screaming, I'm so upset. It's like, whoa, girlfriend, let's just be give me some time. So I remote viewed this house in North Carolina. And I sifted back through stacks of time to find the initiating stack. And there were this group of ghosts, and they were all, they had all been slaves. And one man was the representative. And there were no Civil War dead, but there were. After the Civil War, during Reconstruction, an awful lot of people were starving. Whether you were white or you were black, starvation doesn't discriminate. People were hungry. So people stole so they could eat. There's no judgment. It's just the fact of what happened. And a lot of them uh, were executed or they were hung for that. And each of them talked to me about what happened and how they died. And they just, and because they were black, they were buried in unmarked graves on this property. And over a hundred years, a lot of soil, a lot of stuff happened on this property. Well, about 40 years after the Civil War, a couple bought the property. 
because a lot of people went bankrupt in the Civil War. So then this was a receivership, a bank owned it, so they sold it to this couple. This newly married, they're so excited, they're going to have children, and they're going to farm the land. I just like four acres. Everything died. Mm. Everything died. They couldn't get a plant, the crops died, and then the depression started, and they felt horrible. They didn't see the dead slaves on the property. All they felt was this terrible, horrible energy. And then he beat his wife to death, and then he shot himself. So now we have the murder of the slaves on this one piece of this, like one acre or three or four acres, one piece of property, you've got the dead slaves who were murdered. You have the man who beat his wife to death, so we have another murder. Now we have a suicide all on this little piece of property. 75 years goes by and no one touches that property. That house is torn down. And this new couple buys it and they've got two kids and they move in and it's a new subdivision with pretty paved streets and, and nothing works for them. Their finances go into the toilet. They're fighting all the time. They keep seeing this ghost out of the corner of their eyes and they're just freaking out. So I get this frantic phone call. You've got to help me. You, I mean, I just, I know this property is haunted. So I said, okay. And that's who called me. And that's what caused me to go back and sift through these stacks of time. And so I removed the, the slaves. Oh, they were so grateful. They were tired and cold and hungry. And even though there's no time in the fourth dimension, there's a weariness that sets in to a soul. So I moved them. I listened to the story of the couple that bought the house and the tragedy that happened to them. I crossed them over. In the meantime, I'm cleaning the land and clearing the land of all the darkness. It takes me hours and hours and hours to do this work. Finally, I get to the main, the brand new house, and there's this, the owner's dad died and he was so worried about his family that he's been haunting them by you know kind of hovering around them and they see him out of the corner of their eye so he's a modern ghost and then in in understanding that so i sit the family down and once i moved him on and i really cleaned the current house and pumped it up all of a sudden they're all sleeping at night they stopped arguing they felt like they could see color again the sun came out they said, we don't understand what happened. They said, this is what happens when you have predecessor energy on a piece of property. And I cleared all I was allowed to see. And I'm being very careful about that. Because maybe there were Native Americans that died on that property. Maybe there were a Revolutionary War. But that wasn't what was shown to me. I was only shown those three situations. And the family said the trees, they trimmed the trees, the trees started to grow. Then when they planted flowers, the flowers didn't die. They lived, they were beautiful. And they couldn't believe what was on the property. And she said, yeah, my dad died, you know, about nine months ago. And I didn't know who was haunting me. She said, yeah, because you would have had no way of knowing that my dad died. And I said, well, yeah, there you go. So in answer to your question, the slaves and the, the couple had no idea they were haunting the people in the 21st century. None. They just were there. 
The dead knew he was haunting them, but in his mind, he was protecting them. He wasn't haunting them. So you've got a variety of scenarios. I know that's a long story, but it, it, I needed it to illustrate the point. No, that's really interesting because so I feel like I... I feel like I think we talked about this a little bit when we had our intro call, but um, I feel like there is a person in my life who passed away a long time ago who I don't feel like I'm being haunted, but I do feel every now and then a presence, you know, a, like a helpful presence. And I know it's that person. So is that the same thing? Am I just putting pretty words on it? Is that the same thing? Like how, how would you look at that? Well, <clears throat> there are two ways to look at it. I don't know your relationship with this person. But you can have the dead can haunt the living because they love them and they don't want to, to be away from them. They're not malicious. They're just, they don't know what to do and they're just going to hang around. You can also have the living that hold on to the dead so tightly that they, if they see the light, they can't cross over. They feel these, these black cords tightening around them and they're stuck. Uh, because they're being held on to. So, in either case, I would say the crossing over prayer and release that that soul. Some people tell me they love the feeling that you know a person, this person's with them. And the the problem is, and this is a very big issue, huge. When someone doesn't cross over, they earn karma by affecting the living. I had a ghost jump in my car and it caused me to rear in somebody at a stoplight. I was going like four miles an hour. There were no injuries, but the ghost earned karma for that. What do you what do you mean? Explain that. What does that mean? It means that when what you do every day, you create a karmic ripple effect. So if a ghost jumps into my car and so distracting and I I harm another person, the ghost earns the karma for harming both of us. Oh, okay. When you cross them over, the karmic clock stops. They're no longer influencing anybody or anything on earth. Now the karma that they did create can be looked at and analyzed, and they can look at, okay, in my next life, how will I create, correct that? Or I earned all these wonderful brownie points because I did all these good things, and it will make a difference. Mm -hmm. So if you have a ghost who is preventing you from getting sleep and who is doing all these things and alarming you, then they earn karma for that. And it's not like some psychic can come in and erase your karma. It just, it just doesn't work that way. So it's what you take with you life after life. Okay. That makes sense. All right. I want to talk about ghost hunters a little bit because I know you mentioned them before. So I, you know, I, for, for one of the books I wrote, um, I, I had a ghost hunter in it and I had a couple of ghosts. And so I did some research. I spoke to two different um, people. One was more of a mainstream, I, I'll call it mainstream kind of ghost hunter, right? So, you know, coming in with the equipment. Um, I think he had like a TV show or something that he, that he taught, that he did where he showed, you know, the results of some of the ghost hunts, but I don't, I'm not sure if he did any ghost removal or what that even looks like. The other person I talked to was super interesting um, in the sense of he wasn't a commercial person. He didn't advertise or anything. It was kind of a word of mouth thing. And he 
more so got called into situations where there were, he called them demons. So very bad, kind of like what you described before. But I don't know if the, some of those people you talked about were really bad or, or what, but he talked about like demons who were, you know, kind of possessing people and making them do terrible things. And some of the things that happened to him is he was trying to remove those ghosts. So what's the difference between what you do and what like a, I'll call it traditional ghost hunter does? Well, a ghost hunter just hunts them and wants to be afraid and wants the experience of the paranormal. It's like being a paranormal junkie. You just, you know, did you see that? It showed up and there's a lot of excitement about it. Because there's something unknown and mysterious and fascinating. And if you can get past that, and I mean, they go to old hotels. I, there's a, there are all kinds of places in Charleston. There are places in all over the world where somebody says, oh, it's haunted. You can stay in a haunted place. Like that's supposed to be a big deal. I stayed in a, a haunted bed and breakfast in Spokane, Washington. And this little old lady in a in a in a, like a 1920s nightie down to her ankles and her her curly gray hair, and she came in and she was just looking right up in the room and I said you're not supposed to be here and I brought in an angel and crossed her over like that fast, and then I told the owners and they said oh you got to see her that's sweet and I said well it's sweet but it's not going to happen anymore because I removed her and they said oh, you can do that, <laughs> like yeah you can anybody can do that. And if all you're doing is having a cool experience, what what good did that do is my question. Yeah. To anyone who's hunting them. If it's your child, would you want someone to hunt them down? If it was your grandmother, would you want someone hunting them down? And I would bet the answer is no, you wouldn't. You'd want someone to help them. Yep. And I had a, I had a situation with my, um, my grandson. Uh, my daughter-in-law called and she said, "We think there's something here because you know the baby who was like ten months old is just screaming and looking, and he's. I mean, we've never heard this from this child before. So I moved the house, and there's a little girl who's about six or seven, and she's sticking pins in the baby. She's a ghost." And I said, hi, sweetie, how did you get here? And she said, well, I followed his sister home. He has an older sister. She's in school. And they're roughly the same age, these little girls. And she said, I follow somebody home every night. And I said, well, where's your mommy? She said, mommy doesn't talk to me anymore. She just sits and cries. Mommy just won't talk to me. I said, okay, sweetie. And... And it makes me so mad, and and I and I and the baby can see me. So when I stick the baby and he can see me, then I know somebody can see me. I'm so angry. That's where angry ghosts come from. So I said, "Well, sweetie, what's the last thing you remember when you when your mommy would talk to you?" She said, "Oh, I was swinging. I was swinging so high, and I was swinging and swinging." And I said, "And you let go, didn't you? So you could fly like a bird." She said, yeah. And then I was standing next to Mommy, and Mommy was crying. I mean, I said, well, sweetie, when you were flying like a bird, you fell out of the swing, and it meant that you died, and that's why your Mommy can't hear you. 
And sticking pins in the baby is a very mean thing to do, and I don't think you're a mean little girl. She said, I'm so lonely. Nobody will talk to me. So I do things to, to get somebody's attention. Okay, so that's why people feel like somebody's around there. They're trying to get someone's attention because they don't know what to do. So I crossed her over, and Jack went to sleep just like that. <laughs> it happened a couple times with a couple of different things. Maybe he's a psychic kid. I don't know. But for now, there's no ghosts in their house. And that's kind of an answer to your question. They, the ghost hunters don't know the story of how the ghost died or what stack of time they're in <clears throat> or the fact that they don't know they're dead, some of them. Now, really, how do you know you're dead? Mm. It's a really important question. So for ghost hunters, I would say, if you go to a location and you have paranormal activity... There are several things that I would recommend that you do if you would like to actually be of service to the living as well as the dead. And say the crossing over prayer. I would also say the dark intelligence removal prayer and the prayer that clears the stacks of time. This is a really important book for everyone to have who has any feelings of connection with the paranormal. You can do a lot of service and help. And you have to remember, when you have a ghost, everything is a little bit dusty. Because dust leaves something that's like a psychic residue. No matter, I've had so many people say, no matter how much I clean, oh my gosh, it's just always something here. Okay. Once the ghost is crossed over, the dust leaves. It's like pig pen. Everywhere pig pen went, he left that residue. That's what happens with ghosts. So I would encourage I would encourage people to at least look at the Crossing Over Prayer book just as a tool book. If you are psychic at all, this is a really important book to have to help you wherever you are. And it's an audio book too. Okay. Thank you for that. All right, so you mentioned to me this this was interesting um, when we talked before about how murderers can come back to you in multiple lives. And you meant, I think you told me a story about a husband and a wife that had, one of them had murdered the other multiple times. Or Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Okay, can you tell that story? Because that was, that was fascinating. I do past life regressions with people. And because sometimes it's the past that is haunting you. And it's having, it's old past energy is impacting your current energetic state. But you don't know it. You just know something's wrong. And in this particular life, this couple is super wealthy. I mean, very, 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 very wealthy. And the guy marries this gorgeous Swedish model. I mean, she's just drop-dead gorgeous. And his, he is a very abusive man. And they have these kids and... The kids are always watching mom get abused. He does humiliating things to her. And they do these fundraisers. They're with all these celebrities, and she just looks like a million dollars. But he's always humiliating her in public. And she reached the point, somebody sent her to me, and we talked, and she wasn't willing to do anything 
to take the action she needed to get his attention. And I said, but we need to find out how long has this been going on? So it did several regressions, and in every, every past life, he killed her. And she said, well, that's just not going to happen this life. And I said, well, okay. You know what the past has been. The future is something you can write. What are you willing to do to change? And I said, she said, well, what should I do? And I said, move out. Send a message that you won't tolerate the abuse anymore. So wait, can I, can I just stop you for a second and ask you, how does she know it was the same person? Was it like the same energy? Did he look the so same? Identical. She identical. She recognized him life after life after life. Mm. And when I do regressions, I'll say, is there <clears throat> anyone in this life who's currently with you and this... Anyone in that past life who's with you now in the current life. And they'll go, my father, my brother, my sister, whatever. And that's how we knew, because that's a very good question. And, and she was really, it was really sobering for her to realize that she's repeating the pattern. So do you have a pattern over lifetimes? If you don't break this pattern, how many, how many more, again, back to the guy who beat his wife, how many more lifetimes are you going to have this pattern? And she said, I, I guess I'm going to have to do something. And I said, I guess you are. So she gets an apartment. She moves out, gets an apartment, beautifully decorates it. And he is stunned. She stood up to him. And I don't know how many generations of lifetimes she's always just taken it and then died over and over and over. But in this lifetime, she did something different. She moved out and she... She was really good at something. When she, she got a job, and he's like, you know, my life doesn't work because I'm a super millionaire guy. And, but she wanted to establish her own element of self-esteem. And because of that, he had to sit up and take notice of her. So he figured after a week she'd be back. But a week went by, and two weeks went by, and four weeks went by. And then two months went by, and, and he's now getting madder and madder. And she said, no, you need help. I'm not coming back to you. I'm not going back to the way it was. Everything has to change. And by the time they hit four months, he realized that she had taken her power back. And he did begin to change, and he stopped abusing her. So they're in their 70s now. He is no longer abusing her, no longer abusing his children. She has shown her children or their children that you have to stand up to a bully and they're able to do good work for others with their money together. And other people say they can't believe the change in him. So now she has changed history for the future. That Does that help? Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Definitely fascinating. All right, I have two more questions for you. The first one is, what, what do people get wrong the most when they think about ghosts? The ghosts have unfinished business. Hmm. That's the number one thing. Okay, if I hear one more psychic say, two things. Sage will remove a ghost. Sage is worthless. Sage will never remove a ghost. It has no horsepower. You need dragon's blood, frankincense, and myrrh, and benzoin, resin, and incense will not remove a ghost. You need frankincense, myrrh, dragon's blood, and benzoin resin burned, taken from room to room, which removes them. That's, so that's, that's one of the first ones. The second one is ghosts don't have unfinished business. 
that are haunting because there's a laundry list of reasons as as individual as personalities are that's the reason so many of them don't cross over for all these different myriad of reasons so lumping everyone together is like saying we're all the same person we're not we're different a child doesn't know what to do a mother lingers because she's sad she can't raise her children a grandmother feels guilty because she died in sin and born in sin and died in sin. I mean, I can go on and on. One mother was so controlling, she wanted to control her daughter from the grave. She didn't have unfinished business. She didn't have to sleep, and now she could control her daughter 24 hours a day. Oh, my God, her daughter was that. I mean, it was horrific what was going on with her daughter. Once I crossed her mother over, woman had the first night's sleep she'd had in 10 years since her mother died. Mm-hmm. So those are the two, two of the biggest things I would say. Okay. That's helpful. All right. And then I want to bring it back to writing. So I know there are people who, you know, paranormal writers who might be listening to this. So if somebody's trying to write a ghost and they want to, you know, make it as realistic as possible, what, what would you tell, how would you tell them to approach that? I would tell them to, you have to understand what's the premise of the book. If the premise of the book is spine tingling and scary, and, and that sells books, I'm not going to deny that. And my, my books, some of them are spine tingling and scary, but mostly they're, they're compassion books. If you look at what your frame of reference, it's fiction. You can make it spine tingling and scary. But it could just be at the end <clears throat> that the heart of compassion was open to the ghost and the ghost crossed over and saw the light and that the glory of it caused the person who helped them to change inside, to grow, to be more compassionate. So I would never tell another writer how to write a story that would be, I would not like it. Someone told me that I would just suggest look at, if you were the ghost, how would you want your story told? Mm-hmm. I love if something, that. If you were, and that's why the movie Ghost was so compelling, because Patrick Swayze was murdered. You're looking at that story from his point of view. And when the light finally came again for him, he turns to Demi Moore and he says, oh, you can't believe the love. That was the most accurate statement in the film. Hmm. What he saw was absolutely what it looks like. It's so beautiful. You don't have to be afraid of death. Hmm. I don't mean to, to wax on and on about it, but imagine that you have the power to do that for another person and that someone were to do that for you. What would? How could we change the world in that way? And the other thing is, People reincarnate in under five years now. They're coming back so quickly. But if you cross them early, they don't come back for at least 152 Earth-timed years. Oh. Wow. So that alone reduces, you know, how many people there are here. Makes a huge difference. And then the soul gets to be completely restored. How do you have a new age if everybody is still bringing their old baggage to the party? Okay. So that was my last question, but I lied because I thought of another one. Um, I'm really curious and we didn't cover this at all, but what about animals? I have a crossing over prayer for a beloved animal because I, when my Siamese died when I was a little girl and I saw her ghost for weeks and weeks and weeks. 
She was hit by a car, and I was devastated. But I saw her ghost. She was in the hall, and she'd be in bed with me, and I'm thinking, I'm seeing ghosts of my, my sweet kitty. And animals don't live as long as human beings. And the unconditional love an animal gives you makes an owner feel helpless when the animal dies. If you say the compassion prayer for a beloved animal, what happens is you're asking an angel to lift your animal up and take it to the heaven world. When my brother died, I, I crossed him over and I, I made arrangements for all of his cats to meet him, all the cats he'd had throughout his life. Mm. And you know some other wonderful people as well, but I made sure that the cats who were his companions so much of his life were there for him. And it was beautiful. Some people don't do well with other people, but they do very well with some of their animals. Dogs are so loyal. We love our dogs. Goldfish, not so much. But, you know, cats and dogs and horses. Oh, my God, horses are noble creatures. So there's a crossing over prayer for your animal as well. And those, some of these prayers are free on ghosthelpers.com. So if you don't want to pay for anything, go to ghosthelpers.com and look. you can look up the books. But there are a lot of free prayers, including a video on what happens when I die, which helps people to understand what's coming. And a lot of people are dying right now. An unbelievable number of people are dying. There's a 40% increase in death across the planet. And helping those people is huge, just absolutely huge. So that's what I would offer. This is awesome. Tina, thank you so much for being here. This was super informative and fascinating, and I really appreciate your insights. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So what did you all think of that? I just find it fascinating. I think that some of the stories that Tina told were just, I mean, wild, right, about the murderers finding you from generation to generation. I mean, if that's not something for a novel, then I don't know what is. But aside from that, I just, I really think it's just fascinating um, to think about what happens, you know, to people and, and the afterlife and how people continue to interact with the living. And I'm, I'm just really fascinated by all of it. So whatever you took away from this, I hope that you found it interesting, helpful, you know, inspirational for your next book, whatever it is. I really appreciate you tuning in. I would love to hear what you thought of the episode. If you want to go over to Instagram and send me a DM, or if you want to send me an email from my website, kateconti.com, you'll find all of the information to reach me and to learn more about Tina in the show notes. And as always, Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you here next week. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye.